morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Movie Hangouts. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Gina Versa. Hello, good to uh, see you this morning. Yeah, good to see you too. We, we almost had no time to record this podcast, but we did it. Ah. We figured it out. <laughs> it's a special one a good... today. Uh, th- thank <laughs> I you enjoyed the pun though. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Lots of, lots of puns in the movie we're here to talk about today. It's no time <laughs> to die. The final outing for Daniel Craig's James Bond. And with us today is a very special guest to help us talk about it. Probably the biggest Bond fan you and I both know, Gene, and mm-hmm. we know a lot of Bond fans. Uh, Justin Valero, how are Hello. you Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Uh, I, <laughs> after six years of waiting, it's finally here. <laughs> it finally, yes. Um, yeah. It, it, and then next two years also, because they kept pushing it back because. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. But yeah, we'll get into we'll We'll definitely mm-hmm. get into that. But yeah, for anybody who's just wondering what I am or who I am, uh, my name is Justin Bolero. I'm a self-described James Bond aficionado. Um, uh, I've been following Bond uh, basically since I was a little kid. I'm very active in um, uh, in the Bond community on Twitter. Um, I've uh, appeared on other Bond podcasts um, like Bond and Banter with Jack Lugo. I've also um uh, if you are on twitter with us you can go ahead and follow at it's justin valero which is pretty much exclusively uh james bond related content in some way shape or form um but yeah uh james bond is a big part of my life and uh it, it, there's a, a small group of us in the united states who have devoted encyclopedic knowledge of the series and happy to be part of that faithful tutelage so happy to, very happy to be talking with no time to die today with you guys oh yeah it's great to have you we've been uh trying to have you on for like the longest time and we've had your uh, brother on a lot so it's uh it's just cool it's just uh nice to have you yeah, I, I, it's, I always feel like my fandom is in the, I'm in the wrong country for, for my <laughs> fandom because mm. my, it's, uh, I, it only comes out about what, every three to six years at the current rate. And then yeah, on top I of think, that, it's yeah. just Marvel and everyone else has a lot more. Um, there's more opportunities for someone to enjoy a Batman film or, or, uh, or, or DC film or Spider-Man film. There's always something to be coming out. If you're a Bond fan, you're very patient. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, yeah, I, I prefer that. To me. I, I like that much more because I think the weight is kind of what makes the fandom all the more special and makes the movies more special too. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a movie coming out every other month, you know, you start taking up spaces of other people's movies and maybe <laughs> culture. And maybe that's a bad thing, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're yeah. here to talk about No Time to Die. Uh, we're going to talk no spoilers first. No spoilers. We're going to go into our favorite Bonds, favorite Bond songs, spoiler-free thoughts about the movies, and a little bit of the... I'm just going to rattle off some of the production history really quick so we can get this out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh Justin, you and I definitely talked about this when this was first happening. We were like, oh, fucking Danny Boyle's going to do it. Like, I don't love everything Danny Boyle's <laughs> right. done, but he's done Sunshine and 28 Days Later. And to me, did, those uh, are like two of my favorite genre films of the last 20 years. So I'm like, fuck yeah, this he'll he'll direct the shit out of it. And he's a very he, visually interesting director. Yeah, and then he, he got the boot. He did, a, he did a Bond short as well. So at least 
he got to kind of work in the franchise. Yes, that's he, he, right. He did the Olympics. Um, the Olympics. He, and the, thing, the, the Olympic short with uh, with the queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really interesting. Uh, yeah, I remember when this movie was first getting discussed that Danny Boyle was, was going to be involved. I was actually really excited about it um, because of the people that I thought would be an interesting choice or a good fit for Bond directors, uh, Danny Boyle was definitely in there. We were also talking about, like, you know, maybe Matthew Vaughn, um, you know, if he was uh, taking a break from the Kingsman <laughs> series. I think so. Yeah. Um, well, I think he, already, Vaughn, he already did his Bond. Well, well that, and that's the thing. He has a lot of res- it's he has a lot of respect for the franchise, um, uh, especially if you've seen Kingsman. But when I saw mm-hmm. that Danny Boyle was going to do it, it's that he he's definitely edgier he's mm-hmm. in the realm of the auteur director trend that they've been doing for this series in the craig era i mean really the only kind of like factory level um you know really efficient director uh uh that they had uh was for casino royale um because then you have Mark Forster and Quantum Masalis, very kind of artsy art house director. Sam Mendes comes back for the other two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Martin Campbell's the only kind of like bread and butter. Hey, I've been around beforehand. And so getting Danny Boyle to do it, you know, I'm like, okay, you're going back to this kind of auteur director style that you've been doing. Um, and then all of a sudden we have, quote-unquote creative differences now the interesting thing that is apparently going on is that the creative differences and we'll get into this in the spoilers but the decision that was made apparently that he was getting a lot of crap about in the press apparently it looks like it was the other way around um that he he didn't want to do particular things that this film ended up doing um and then we have carrie fukunaga coming in and I thought that was an interesting choice. Apparently, he had been chasing down the broccoli. He's been chasing down Barbara Broccoli to do this for quite some time um, before Danny Boyle, apparently. Um, if I didn't we, know that. It, yeah. So apparently, he had been wanting to do this for a while. Um, and uh, according to the, the interviews that Kerry Fukunaga has given since, um, like, during press release stuff and all of that. But... I thought it was an, an interesting choice and inspired choice, and I'm sure we're going to get into it. But um, this film, just getting going, has been in fits and starts. There were there were two delays prior to um, COVID because we have a creative differences break with Danny Boyle. The movie was supposed to schedule was the movie was scheduled to come out in November of 2019. Um, they had a creative split with Boyle. They were even like building like sets in Canada and whatnot that they were already working on, and like and they ended up having to scrap a good chunk of that. Um, then so you already had sunk costs into this movie before COVID. Then on top of that, Carrie Fukunaga comes in. Uh, you end up getting a release date move to Valentine's Day 2020. Still would have been pre-COVID. Then they move it to April 2020 in order to make up for basically the shrunken production time that Kerry Fukunaga had. Um, didn't have the same amount of pre-production time that basically Danny Boyle had. And so they extended that out in order to allow for shooting and post-production for Kerry Fukunaga's version of the film. 
Then they ended up, uh, and then all of a sudden after April's coming along, February's coming in, we're getting into the beginning of March, COVID. We then get moved from April to October of 2020. Then we keep going through the pandemic. We go through into the middle of August. So it looks like we're ramping up again. It looks like they're going to go ahead and have, uh, you know, marketing materials start getting sent out. You start getting new trailers. DHL and other partners are releasing like uh, um, commercials and advertisements. And they're like doing ad buys for No Time to Die. And then all of a sudden, boom, another delay to April of 2021 thinking like, all right, we're going to push this back. All right, we're, a, we're now exactly a year of where we, we're going to be post-Fukunaga delays. Yet again, as we all know now, we got another delay until October of 2021. And so this movie has had fits and starts even beforehand. Um, there were worries about uh, things that happened on set with like an explosion, like Pinewood, ha- like a the side of a wall of pine wood went off in an explosion um, that wasn't properly, um, they, they didn't properly predict like how powerful the, the stage explosion was going to be blew off a side panel on the 007 stage and actually landed on somebody's leg, which ended up having really, yes, I didn't, whoa, yeah, I didn't it was that. all over the news. Oh, and wow. so that delayed production, Daniel Craig ended up breaking his ankle or, or uh, pulling, uh, pulling his ankle and rolling mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, not even while doing a stunt, uh, slipping and walking to his own accord. He was, <laughs> and so this Poor movie, th- like the one of the things in like Bond fandom that we were talking about this movie is just kind of like this quote unquote cursed production of yeah. of No Time to Die. So um, a lot of us were, were terrified because not only is it that we were having these gigantic delays um, because of production. Um, because of MGM, we also have to remember that uh, Amazon made the purchase for MGM during all of this. Like during last fall, this is where Amazon was making a bid for MGM. And so we had to go through another purchase. And you have all of these things that built up to No Time to Die actually coming out. And the the, the scary thing is that you have these huge gaps of time, whereas Back in like the Brosnan era or the Roger Moore era, it's okay if you had a bad Bond movie because that did not directly influence whether or not you were going to get a great Bond movie two, three years later. Mm-hmm. Now we're having these gigantic, I mean, if you look at the 15, Craig's tenure is 15 years. Yeah. However, you've only had five films in that, in that tenure. Roger Moore had a shorter tenure, but he had seven films. And so there's these fits and starts that MGM... Uh, like Skyfall, for instance, didn't, didn't get off the ground until the MGM um, worrying about bankruptcy was uh, coming in. Uh, Quantum of Solace got rushed into production not only be, not only just because of the of the writers' strike, but also because Sony wanted to get uh, the next movie out as quickly as possible, and MG, and and because MGM doesn't have solid distribution rights internationally. They need Sony, and Sony was basically bankrolling a good chunk of Casino Royale 
spec, uh, Quantum of Solace and Skyfall. And so they had the power of the purse. So MGM didn't really have a lot of control over its own IP and like its production schedule because of money. Um, Skyfall ended up getting delayed because MGM was in and out of deciding of, of figuring out if it was going to have to restructure for bankruptcy, which gave, which gave another four-year gap. And then you have this other, now you have another gap of a six-year gap between MGM's finances, production issues, changing of director, and COVID. So when it comes to you know, the Bond franchise, uh, it's been a pretty nebulous time for us. So, you know, this was really highly anticipated to get to have to finally see this movie in the cinema. I, w- I wanted to talk a little bit more about stuff like our favorite Bond or favorite Bond songs. But I think that can actually come up naturally in the spoiler section. So now that it's here, let's talk quick spoiler free thoughts. Let's try to keep it under a minute each. Um. Let's start with Gene, then we'll go to, we'll save Justin best for last. And Justin, you can lead us into the spoiler discussion for this. Gene, you what were your thoughts on No Time to Die? Spoiler free, 60 seconds. Yeah, so I'm still on a high from it. I saw it last night. Um, so it's still like fresh in my memory. And I was really impressed by it. It, it mattered, exceeded pretty all my expectations. Um, I love how bombastic it was. I'm just over the top. Um, kind of thinking about it in the morning as that high is wearing off, did everything work? I don't think so. But this felt um, just great to have an ending for Bond. Um, I guess this film really was made way back when Casino Royale is the sh- in the shadow of like Batman Begins and it almost reminds me of uh, Dark Knight Rises in a way without getting too uh, spoilery that um, so they just they made a story that hasn't um, that hasn't really been in the Bond sort of uh, franchise lore of how the ending of Bond would be so I was I was really impressed by the storytelling in this movie so that's 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 my thoughts just kind of escape kind of uh getting off this uh this high of uh of watching it last night and processing everything all right okay um i i ended up seeing it opening night i i I was gonna put it off a day or two just because i've been a little busier than usual and uh, i ended up going with a a pal of mine from out of town uh shout out to avishai weinberger excellent writer go follow him on twitter fantastic fella uh, who's also not the biggest Bond fan, not a, not a hater or anything, just like someone who they could give an honest response if whether or not the movie worked and they enjoyed it. I, don't, I, I hope they don't mind I'm speaking for them here, but like they, they enjoyed it. I got very excited for this movie leading into the, the final week. I've been excited for it since Carrie Joji Fukunaga was announced because I liked that first season of True Detective a lot. I really like Beasts of No Nation. Uh, he's an interesting director. He's very different each time he he goes to the bat. And I don't think everything in this movie works, but I think it is a fantastic farewell to Daniel Craig's James Bond. It, I found myself giggling at times just from the like the way like how well the movie was made. There were like certain shots and angles and transition where I was like, "Ooh, 
movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's gorgeous to look at. Linus Sandrin, the DP. Sangren? Sandrin? Sangren, I think. Um, worked on La La Land, First Man. Fantastic director of photography. Um, it's a nice reminder that big blockbusters can actually have like sex appeal without also like ogling people, which is very important because like movies have kind of become sexless in this day and age. And this movie's like, this is a sexy movie, but it's also not like, you know, it's not Michael Bay shots of like asses and shit. It's like, it's just people <laughs> looking good and powerful and like awesome and badass. And um, that's kind of all I want to say without spoilers. So Justin, spoiler free and then transition us into spoilers sure. if you can. Uh, Bond movies, I think, are the last great bastion of classy action movies. Um, they, they're the blueprint for it. And I think this it did that in spades for the most part. I really enjoyed the film. I think that as, as a Brosnan fan, um, this gave me some of Craig's best iterations of the character. Um, I think that they... I think that the movie went in a natural direction of where they were going to go with it in terms of uh, Craig's arc. But I thought that technically this movie is incredible. Um, the, the score I'm, I enjoy it as a, a paired with the, with the film. There's a lot of bond scores, particularly David Arnold. Uh, David Arnold's Bond scores from the early Craig and, and Pierce Brosnan era where you can just, they're instantly listenable. Like you can, I could take it or leave it sometimes with um, with Hans Zimmer's score. And the, but the the film in and of itself is, uh, it does not feel like two, two hours 45. It, it just flies. And I think that there's a lot of, resp- I think Fukunaga knew where his references were uh he had a lot of respect to the franchise and i really like it like as someone who was waiting a long time for it i really enjoyed the movie i thought it was really well done and i thought it was it was worth the wait and it was uh ex- it was a dangerous movie and a risky movie to do um and we'll go into spoilery territory from here um yeah that being said do you want to go ahead and give us the (laughs) the the the, our spoiler warning or whatnot yeah yeah spoilers from here on out everyone so we all recommend it i think it's safe to say Mm -hmm. yes yeah strong sturdy recommendation i think it's Mm -hmm. also fair to say this is not craig's best bond movie but also like it's just a really good time at the movies and it's, it's like sturdy film it's solid at the very least at its worst it's solid and maybe like not fleshed out enough at times i think yeah, the weakness, it's certainly so. not boring yeah i yeah. think the weakness of this movie in in terms of why i don't put it above skyfall or casino royale is because skyfall and casino royale work as standalones you don't have to know anything um, in order to fully enjoy the film you can just kind of go in, even as a casual James Bond fan, and enjoy Skyfall or Casino Royale. Um, no Time to Die is is it, with full intention trying to work on the weight of the entire Craig era, and as a result, you you need the background knowledge of Casino Royale, Quantum, Skyfall, Inspector. In it's like the. Uh, 
or someone will refer to it as like pocket continuity. You have to watch one or the other, the other just... in order to figure it out. And that I think is the only reason why I think that it would be number three on my uh, number four on my list. Uh, be- or number three between <laughs> Casino Royale, Skyfall, and then this. Um, with then Quantum of Solace and then Spectre at the bottom. Okay, yeah. I I think we're in agreement. You said Casino Royale and then Skyfall, right? Casino Royale, Skyfall, No Time to Die, uh, Quantum of Solace and Spectre. Because Quantum of Solace, you know, is a decent movie, just poorly edited. I, um, I think, uh, sorry. Spectre I, I just, has I Austin need to, Powers. To to for Quantum. I need to go to bat for Quantum is all. Because I, I rewatched that and I think it's a borderline great film. It is not I as agree. good as the, the top three, though. I agree yeah, with I you, need, but Spectre yeah, ends up it gets, it adopting gets the Austin Powers lines. Yeah, Spectre, Spectre was has the, the, the current blockbuster movie problem where so many blockbusters are like, we need to hit this release date. And it's like, well, where's the script? Oh, it's not done yet. Well, then don't, <laughs> don't start production. Don't finish it. Like, there are all these horror stories about movies from, like, the new Hollywood, the 70s and 80s. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, that was crazy. Good thing we don't make movies like that anymore. We do it like all the time. It's like <laughs> it's it's a money laundering scheme. It's got to be, you know, like it's sorry. I, I, I hate it. I hate this model of making blockbusters. And I think this is part of the weakness of No Time to Die, too, though, is because of this kind of larger continuity. And I think when now if we're going to get into spoilers, yes, let's yes. just get into yeah, Let's just spoilers. get in. OK, so Even here's the thing is that they the Bond films as of will tend to chase the latest trend in cinema yeah the reflections uh, of uh, what's going on exactly or the reflections of when it's written really um sure. because when casino royale was written born was a big deal and then that kind of born uh uh, flavoring was inside of Casino of Casino Royale and Quant. Mm-hmm. Then we ended up getting kind of this 50th anniversary zeitgeist, which is where like Skyfall to Sam Mendes' own admit, like he said this in press uh, in, in, in the press conference for Skyfall. This is a standalone movie. This has nothing to do with the other people, with the other films, which then he goes and retcons in the next movie. Um, <laughs> right. And then it's all it was all specter yeah exactly right the it don't even get me started on like the actual specter plot the (laughs) in a nutshell they should have just had it where specter was the way you fix specter is specter starts assassinating quantum agents and then mr white ends up having to come up to james bond uh similar to how uh Draco does, and you only live twice, and asks to protect to protect his daughter and him during the organization. And as and basically, Quantum and Spectre go to war with each other. That's how you get to fix Spectre. Yes, yes, I pitched that exact thing. Yes, exactly. It's not that complicated, mm-hmm. guys. Come on. And yeah, then they, need, well, they yeah they needed a couple of weeks to write that script. <laughs> and then well the but the thing is is that the new thing now has been expanded universe. Expanded universe has been this bigger thing with Marvel, which is why they wanted to kind of retcon and in, introduce this in Spectre. And when this movie was getting written back in 2017 2018, you start having major things on the death of a hero. And I think um, and I've heard this from other people as well. Logan has to be such a big influence on this movie. 
Um, because you know, it was, uh, I was listening to another podcast, James Bond and friends, or I think it was James, uh, David Lee or James page comes up and says, you know, it almost feels like Daniel Craig was watching Logan because Daniel Craig and, and Hugh Jackman did a play together around this time, around that time. And they go, I want one of those. I want one of those <laughs> moments where, uh, it, with, uh, Hugh Jackman's death scene in, in Logan, because, James Bond dies in this. And it's that is the part that is going to be the most discussed, the most debated part of this entire movie, which is funny because remember, everybody had their hair on fire about Lashana Lynch being 007. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was going to be the root, that was going to ruin the movie, um, apparently. Or, you know, the, the people were even complaining about having an electric Aston Martin in the movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was going to apparently ruin the movie. Uh, you know, all the, you know, is, is Q money penny and all going to be too woke, which ended up being a complete nothing burger is Phoebe Waller bridge going to like destroy the, the franchise and make it a, a me too franchise. Now, yes. not, we have nothing like that. Well, the nice thing is, is that that's not really getting talked about. That's really not the topic of discussion with this movie no no no. which is almost kind of nice because there's just so much thrown at you in this movie yeah it's a lot of movie it's a fuck ton of movie yeah and i think carrie joji fukunaga directs the ever-loving shit out of it he just goes he goes for it two hours and 45 minutes of going for it that's what Mm -hmm. it is and you're right justin it doesn't feel like two hours and 45 minutes it feels shorter than specter specter's shorter than this movie and it feels Mm -hmm. longer than this movie yeah that's that's not like a completed film basically yeah it goes at such a breezy pace well uh, yeah it's a little episodic at first but i kind of like that because it's like look it's craig's last one let's do every james bond movie ever for your last movie (laughs) i mean there's like there's really good character writing in this. And I think that is like a testament to Phoebe Waller-Bridge's contributions to it. Uh, Cause Purvis and Wade did the in- initial drafts of this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So Purvis in. and Wade, yeah, did the initial drafts. Yeah. yeah. And she, and for people that don't know, those are like the traditional James Bond writers as of now. Yeah. Um, since the world is not enough, Purvis and Wade have wrote every James Bond script since the world is not enough. Yeah. Und- underrated uh, theme song, by the way. I have that in my notes. The world does not. I like that one. Yeah, garbage. that one's yeah. that one's uh, that one's a nice tune. So yeah. I think this is a great. Well, I think this is a great time to actually talk about favorite bonds, for instance, because this is going to really instruct kind of what. There's a shit ton of references in this movie, if you know what you're looking mm-hmm. for. Um, this thing references the ever loving shit of an on Her Majesty's Secret Service, and you only live twice. Mm-hmm. Um, My favorite Bond on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Is it really? Yes. Great film. Is it George Lazenby is your favorite Bond? No, actually, Lazenby, uh, he does a good job, but uh, I'd still go with Craig as my favorite. But um, yeah, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, I think it's just such an underrated film um, that doesn't get talked enough, or maybe it does. And Um, I I, I could be mistaken. I agree with you. Um, you I, this is going to sound really funny, but it's actually The World's Not Enough is my favorite James Bond movie. Whoa. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? That's an interesting uh-huh. choice. Yeah. I wouldn't have suspected that. <laughs> yeah. The World's Not Enough is my... Part of that is nostalgia um, because of the first movie I see I saw in the um, in in like a movie theater in the cinemas when I was 10 because James Bond movies tend to come out on my birthday in November. 
And so I saw that in the cinema when I was 10 years old, watching the Thames chase. And, um, you know, it was the first, you have to remember that that means that people in their thirties, their tentpole is not Connery. It's Brosnan. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like a female Bond villain was the first villain that I was introduced to. Like that was the normal for me was a female Bond villain. So actually Craig has felt Craig's tenure has actually felt a little regressive with all with, uh, in terms of, um, female characters, um, with female, like a uh, minus money, penny and Vesper, uh, money, penny Vesper and Camille, um, because there's a lot of sacrificial lambs and just like, and fodder, female fodder in the Craig. Era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think finally this movie kind of course corrects what they were trying to do with money, penny, because Lord knows in Skyfall, like, it really bothers me that you have this whole thing about your Macau sex trade and then sneaks in and has sex with her as almost like a as payment for getting into the getting into the boat. Uh, that, that's in, a weird moment in that in, movie. In Skyfall. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's Even in 2012, weird. I think I think it's uh, oh, just uh, very uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. But the other thing, too, is, is that you have the same writers from that movie doing Waylon and Tomorrow Never Dies, one of the best characters, which is a direct influence on Nomi's character in uh, as the new 007, because the the banter and the the tit for tat of of two agents is very uh, very reminiscent of uh, Agent Triple X and Bond in The Spy Who Loved Me, and but even more so is Waylon and Bond in Tomorrow Never Dies. That Ooh. that's the kind that when I saw how Nomi and them were, were Nomi and Bond were having that back and forth, very reminiscent of Waylon and Tomorrow Never Dies. So there's, there's a lot to pick from, from this movie that is kind of a greatest hits of the series. Um, and so th- that's something that's really cool. What about you, uh, uh, Diego? Was, what's your favorite movie and Bond? Because I think there's something instructive about what we're talking about with with the movie because it kind of is a kind of nostalgia trip yeah uh i'm i always try not to do like recency bias anymore but like craig is so fucking good and he might be the best actor to play bond like i think connery's career as a whole is so monumental to hollywood that he might just be number one until craig gets to be the age connery was right Mm -hmm. like I, I don't know. It's, I, I think Craig has to be my favorite. Like he's, he's so good. And Casino Royale, I rewatched that. And that's like the greatest fucking movie ever made. Like it's so fucking good. Like I, why do people still try to do origin stories? You're not going to do better than that one. Just stop doing it. You know, unless it's like absolutely pivotal to the story you're telling. Don't do the thing where you wait to have them suit up at the very end. You're not going to top Casino Royale's bond, James bond. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the greatest moment in movie history. No, it's not, but it's like up there. It's so fucking good. It's, yeah. It's, like, yeah. That's, that's, such I don't a great... think people understand how good that movie is until you rewatch it. Like it's and, insane. And no time to die tends to want to, um, the one thing that I noticed that it was doing is it did, did, did want to try and hit a lot of greatest hits, um, which from nostalgia and after six years, and I was like, cool as a bond fan, it almost feels like, Hey, 
I, I see this all the time. You're hitting me over the head, but then I have to remember general audiences haven't really seen a Bond movie in six years. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, that nostalgic hit of dopamine of like the greatest hits is something that people like watching. Um, you know, someone's not watching Skyfall 20 times over the course of the year. Mm-hmm. Have you watched uh, it 20 times, Justin? Uh, the most I've ever seen is The World is Not Enough. I've probably seen that movie over 100 times. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But I've definitely seen Sky, Skyfall is definitely up there. I, or I've at least seen it 20 or 30 times. I've seen all the Craig movies at least 20 or 30 times. Um, the But if we break it down, like if we just go bit for a bit from the movie and just kind of the big chunks, you have um, the pre-title sequence. So we have Matera and we also have that flashback sequence. What do, we, what do you guys think of that? That was a hell of an opening. Um, Rami Malek, who is not a good actor, but I liked him in this. <laughs> um, <laughs> because he's just a pretentious douchebag who thinks very highly of himself. And it'd be weird if the actor was like that too, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it worked really well for, for an, like a megalomaniac, for a Bond megalomaniac. Uh, and the, the opening is like a slasher movie villain type mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't Michael know- Myers. Yeah, I, I don't know what the deal was with the mask, and I yeah, I was gonna don't fully gonna understand that. that villain's deal. Is they that... almost try to do like a parallel between Bond and him, where he's like, "Oh, you try to clean up the world by killing bad guys. I'm trying to clean up the world by kill- by cleaning up people." But they there's like beats missing there. Yeah, my theory mm-hmm. is that because this movie is about a bio terrorist attack, um, they wanted to cut back on the uh the whole death by virus the pandemic during yeah. the pandemic so they were like mm-hmm. let's let's cut around some of the the seedier elements of that character and he's still pretty seedy and i think a solid villain not the not the best one but perfect for what the movie is if he had just that little extra motivation or backstory to right kind of like really more, make him a parallel sure. to like this is what james bond would be if he was not like if he didn't have like any empathy or humanity this is truly what he would become you know by like killing innocent people once we get to cuba it, uh, once we once we pass cuba then i'm like why are you doing this what happened yeah Justin, do you know if this is uh, based on a pre-existing character in any of the lore yeah. that could explain the mask? So there's a, that well, just comes out of nowhere. There's, it's called a Japanese no mask, um, mm-hmm. like N-O-H. Um, honestly, I think a lot of it was because of the dioxin um, poisoning that we end up finding out later on in the movie that him and his family were all poisoned, that they were the that um, Safin's father was the poisoner, was the head poisoner for Spectre. Um, and then Mr. White basically uh, leases dioxin in, uh, at a dinner party for them and kills them. We all find this in exposition later on in the movie when he's meeting with Madeline Swan in that secret room. Um, I honestly think the mask is just a plot device. So when we get to the point to the, you know, you cover up his face so you don't show the 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 scarring quite yet. You give a little bit of a reveal. It's a little bit of a slasher film vibe. But honestly, I mean, the, the biggest part that the mask plays is a plot device for Madeline to recognize the mask in the psychiatry office. Yeah, and I, I like that stuff. I think all the character stuff in the movie is really well handled. All mm-hmm. the, it, It's a really character-driven action movie. Mm-hmm. For like, yeah. Actually, I would say the whole thing. Like There, there are moments where it, it there's not quite enough, but I think 
the characters ring true and that's what really makes the movie work like oh. all the way through for me yeah uh, and yeah. just to, just for anybody who's listening to this as a bond fan i'm gonna nitpick the shit out of this movie <laughs> i want to make sure to like make it abundantly clear i love i really enjoyed this movie i cried multiple times on my first watching oh. um as we'll i had get some into. tears at the end which we'll talk about later well, we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it, I'm talking but I, sobbing yeah we'll talk about it but i <laughs> did not Oh, because you can't cry. Because I can't. No, I cried during (laughs) Venom too. Let there be carnage. No, no, I didn't. So to 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 finish up (laughs) the kind of Fleming, there is a lot of Fleming in this movie, but it's composites. Um, so Safin, you notice he actually gets shot in the in the heart, or what would be the heart. Doctor, the literary version of Doctor No has his heart on the other side and survives being shot in the chest so you'll notice that he has a bull he has a a gunshot wound where someone's heart would be and then he wakes up catches his breath and gets back up and then ends up finishing off that flashback sequence that's from the literary version of dr no which is why there were so many rumors for months that oh he's going to be dr no it's because they were they're pulling a lot of things from um, Dr. No, and also the version of Blofeld and You Only Live Twice, and his codename was Shatterhand in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's basically a composite of those two characters. So there's a lot of literary Fleming in this, um, but it's not like a singular storyline like the movies usually would. And Shatterhand uh, was one of the pre-titled versions of what would become No Time to Die. I forget if it was Boyle's or someone else's, but Shatterhand was going to be the title i think it was point. i think it was boils yeah and there, there's like a list of 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 bond titles that everyone like every time a new bond movie comes out everyone's like oh is it going to be risico is it going to be risk because risico is the last book mm. that you could reasonably use um mm-hmm. that uh, it's either risico property of a lady um the Hildebrand Rarity or 007 in New York. Those are the only four titles of, of, of Fleming work that have not been used. And so the, so we get to, so that that's where that Safin character is kind of a composite. And that's why, you know, he shot and all that. So there's some literary stuff to it. But then we get to Matera, which holy fucking shit balls. That was such a good opening. The, the, the chase sequence with the, with the fully kitted out Aston Martin. Yeah. Uh, it's about mm-hmm. time that they have something like that. Like Quantum of Solace, you couldn't just see the car chase uh, because it was so edited. And then Spectre thought it wanted to be cute and, and not have any of the gadgets as like a gag. Um, so it was nice to see a real proper balls to the wall action sequence. Um, I thought the pre-title sequence and the, and then transitioning into the titles, I thought, and the title sequence of the Billy Eilish song was really good. I w- that's probably my favorite in the whole, in the, in the whole Craig era. Really? That's okay. a great song. I, yeah. yeah okay. So back here, no, back. But, well, I, that, I that whole thing, the, the title sequence going mm-hmm. into the, the pre-title sequence going into the title sequence, that whole chunk. I think that front to back is probably the strongest that Craig has had and the most confident that Craig has had in his era. It opens up with like a, a like a, a banger. I, I think the the first hour is the strongest like cohesive whole of the film. I don't think any I again I've been praising this film. I don't think it trails off or anything. I just think it's less dirty than that first hour. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the song, I hadn't heard it yet. I was holding out for theaters to, to hear the song for the first time. Now for like two years, so that, that it was did a, not a disappoint. Right it did not disappoint. It was it was very good. I've been pro Billie Eilish. Uh, I, I've only heard some of her music, but I, I think she's talented. And I thought her work here was was really good. Um, the title sequence I, I thought was solid. I thought it was good. Um, I, I Casino Royale and Skyfalls are just like so next level that I, you know, that really that's the problem with No Time to Die. You know, the Skyfall and Casino Royale came out first. I I really enjoy the title sequence because for one, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of color to it, which is I think do Casino Royale because. Skyfall and Inspector are really monochromatic. They're really kind of darker films. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, like Daniel Kleiman does most of the titles. He, the only one he hasn't done the title to since he started in Goldeneye is Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace was done by another group. Um, but he's in every other title since Goldeneye. And I think this was really cool. Um, it had a lot of color. It had a lot of throwbacks to Dr. No with a lot of the dots in the beginning, oh, yeah, yeah. which was a great way of starting. And I was thinking like, how are they going to transition to the titles? <laughs> and because that's always a fun thing to look at. Um, they actually, um, and even so they had a gun barrel. Mm-hmm. They actually had a gun barrel, no blood, but that's mm-hmm. neither here nor there. They actually had a gun barrel with a tux. Don't need the blood. I'll take it. I'll, t- I'll take it. There's been five, there's been a uh, five movies of Craig, five different gun barrel incarnations so i'll take it just mm-hmm. put a gun barrel at the beginning of the movie um the title sequence was really cool um because of the fact that it had it, it didn't give too much of the movie away and it really worked with the billy eilish theme and i think that's one of the things that is that people tend to people were talking shit about billy eilish's song that it's too slow it's too ballady um that we've just had this with sam, sam smith and with adele this is what Craig's tenure is like. It's emotional. It's it's thought provoking. It's, it's somber. melancholy. It's melancholy. Know? Yeah, I thought it was just tonally really appropriate. Yeah. Um, and some of the visuals in there, I think the one that strikes me the most is the Walter PPKs that are shooting, and it ends up becoming the double helix. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that. That's the part where I was like, "Ooh," because like, "Oh, get it." It's like it's literally in his DNA. Like yeah, and then of course it relates to like the 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 bioterrorism stuff. But like I was like, okay, that's that's pretty clever. And like like it's a solid title sequence again. Casino Royale and Skyfall just happened to do what this movie does better, in my opinion. And that that's really kind of like overshadowing it. But I want to reiterate, it's a great fucking time. So let's keep getting into it. The 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 last thing that before we get into like the big thing is the the best. I think the single best chunk of Craig's tenure period is Jamaica and Cuba. I think that is the best section of Daniel Craig Bond, hands down, bar none. It is confident. It is calling back to Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan, which is my favorite era of Bond. It's it takes the action seriously, but it's also self-referential. It makes fun of itself. It's I mean, Paloma and Paloma is probably my favorite female character of the whole movie just because of her presence, her humor. It works so effortlessly. Um, It subverts expectations like when he's getting undressed. 
and he's thinking that Paloma and him are going to have sex in this wine cellar. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. And she pulls out the tuxedo. I think she's fantastic in it. I think the action sequences are great. I'll always remember the scene where she, uh, the the moment where she kicks uh, a Spectre agent, falls on the ground, and then shoots three guys. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. that was the most badass thing I've ever seen in my it's entire life. It's sci-fi with a bion- with you know Blowfield's bionic eye, and there's like Valdo, mm-hmm. who's the scientist who developed. Uh, Heracles is like sitting there going, mm-hmm. Oh, yes, only Spectre are dying. It's so cheesy, but it's just the right <laughs> amount of cheese. Yeah. With all this action it, going off. It, it and knows Craig's kind doing. of seriousness. Oh, it was just per it was perfect for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, and again, like I, I think that first hour is like the peak of the film for sure. And I'm glad mm. you brought up Paloma and like the, the female characters in this because like the women in this are really well defined. And they're all like they're competent in their own way, but they're not bland. Like, oh, she's a strong female character. Where, and I, this is not a, any declaration against that. It's just sometimes when people write strong female characters, they just have them kill a lot of people, and it's like I don't know anything yeah. about them still. It's they're the same not thing as characters. a poorly written male character, unfortunately. And yeah, here, exactly. They're all like well defined in what they can do. And how they do it differently, where like Lashana Lynch's character, there it's it's unspoken, um, but there's this great dichotomy inside her where she's like, she very clearly is trying to egg on Bond, like, are you jealous? I have the 007 thing now, but it's also like she's worried about not living up to expectations mm-hmm. because she's a black woman in a role traditionally made for a white man, and it's like it that's not said in the movie, but it's totally there. And that's something she has to live up to mm-hmm. for herself, not prove to anyone else. And then Paloma, who's like really dorky. And like at first you're like, oh, no, are they going to make her like a, a, a fucking Willie from Temple of like, Doom? Because yeah, I was going like, to say Christmas Jones or but like when, when he's like character. when Craig gives her the, the call sign, she's like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot. And I was like, oh, no, but no, she, she's totally capable. She's just like really excited and like dorky. You know, and mm-hmm. Ana Dermas is gonna just be one of the biggest stars on the planet. Everyone, yeah, well, yeah everyone was caring like there wasn't there... enough of her in this movie, and like I, I don't agree with that as a criticism. You left the audience think... wanting more. You did what you needed. Yeah, yeah, she's there mm-hmm. for her part. She does her part, and she's fantastic. And now everyone understands that Ana Dermas needs to be killing motherfuckers in every movie because she, yeah. she fucking I just, rocks. I, I love the little compliment he gives her. Like, oh, you did excellent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A... Oh, but I, I like walks off, shakes her hand. Justin already brought it up too, but it was so funny when he was like, "Oh, you know, I hope we got to know each other first. And she's like, "Oh no, 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 <laughs> like, <laughs> no, that's not." <laughs> like it's so like charming and like funny and fumbly too. And the thing that's really cool about uh, the female characters in this movie is it's you, you're right; it's never brought up. Um, the fact that anybody's a woman or anybody's a person of color isn't brought up it, it the discussion yeah. about competency right. and youth and like mm-hmm. the critique in jamaica when he goes are you a double o and he has two years i'm like well you're rather young and i'm like i'm a high achiever that's the the banter nothing about being a woman nothing mm-hmm. about being a woman of color yeah um q is outed as canonically um, in this movie and it's like a yeah i was gonna say that was it mm-hmm Mm-hmm. that was the implication i was gonna ask if anyone else picked that up but yeah yeah i, yeah. I like that you know it's like I, I think people 
like forgive me if i'm wrong Justin, but like people in the fandom have been like kind of fan casting him as like oh that like he's a gay version of q and this version of the series right and like, i think it's, because it's definitely ben, been a push it's also because ben was shaw i think himself is gay and uh, so the actor who plays q is gay paddington he's paddington he's yeah. paddington yeah Paddington should be the next Q. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go ahead. It's it's um there's it's it's positive feedback for sure. Um, there is quite a bit of LGBT uh, representation within the Bond fan community, um, myself included. Um, I mean, you've got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, people within. There's like um, licensed to queer is actually a really big one on Twitter who does kind of like these deconstructive stuff so there's it's really nice to see representation like on the screen um and the thing is that's even more about it it's just so um i was seeing dr lisa funnel talking about this is it's so unremarkable and that's the nice thing about it it's just like oh okay yeah you're a woman okay you're a person of color mm-hmm. okay it's like that's not that is not the the main topic of discussion. yeah yeah, exactly. They that's just a part of their character. And it's almost like they got imagine- a writer who knew what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, can you imagine making I, a I feel like she she punched up the appropriate amount of stuff there. Uh, I have yeah. I have one question. This is gonna go back to Spectre for a second. Sure. The the central Bond woman protagonist in this is Madeline Swan, carried over from Spectre, Mr. White's daughter, who I felt Inspector was more of an interesting idea than a successful character undercooked for sure how like like much of that film unfortunately how did we feel about her this time i I believe this to anyone yeah yeah i think she had more to bring to the table um this time around um i guess yeah, we already said spoilers, but her just being the uh, mother of Bond's child, I thought was a very interesting idea. Um, seeing her backstory um, with her mother and then also calling back to her being Mr. White's daughter where, um, you know, Bond's enemy. And um, it's all, it almost gives her a sort of Italia Algol sort of, uh, sort of characterization. How funny um, you say that. Batman. I got you know, so he, hardcore Dark Knight Rises from, vibes from this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do love Dark Knight Rises. I think, uh, you know, the complaints about Dark Knight Rises are very overblown or just inaccurate or just stupid. How did yeah. you get back to Gotham? Yeah, it's like, but, yeah, yeah, Batman. How, how the fuck yeah. do you think he got back? To, uh, sorry, we're, this isn't the Dark Knight Rises <laughs> yeah, podcast. But, but yeah, yeah we'll, the, I definitely want to they, mention that later on. Yeah, they expanded on her, I think, made her a lot more of a nuanced character that um, kind of was lacking a bit, Inspector. About Madeline Swan, the, the thing is, Inspector, I wanted to like her so much more. I wanted to have chemistry with her. And I think that's one of the weaknesses of the movie. It's just, I don't know, it's just Leia Seydoux and Daniel Craig just don't have the same kind of chemistry that like that he does with like on the armist or with you know the big one ava green and it's like that's going to be the litmus test hey do you have the same chemistry as you do with ava green if this is going to be the next love of james of james bond's life if you're going to have the same kind of relationship that vesper had and they call to it in the beginning of the movie and they hearken over and over again and it's almost like uh hey remember this relationship that is more natural than the one that we have here because i think leia said is a fabulous actress and she acts the fuck out of this movie especially the end 
Um, I think she's really good. I just don't think that there's just natural chemistry between the two of them. They say that they love each other. They act like they love each other. It's just like whether or not I buy it or not as this great true with this great romance. That's the thing that I have the trouble with is just like, I don't the, the relationship, which is kind of like the crux of the whole movie um, is the only thing that is like, like, I'm okay. I'm going to suspend disbelief and I'm doing, and uh, to, to go through along with the story, but it's just like, I don't know. I just don't think that the chemistry between just Leia Seydoux and Daniel Craig is, is quite there to the point where I buy it. Like I remember when Spectre, like I heard people after the torture scene where she goes up and yells, I love you. Like I could audibly hear groans in the movie theater. Like, come on. Yeah, Spectre has a little bit of the, the rise of Skywalker problem where there's just a point in that movie where you feel the bottom drop out from the audience and it's just dead silence the rest of the way through. Like Rise of Skywalker has, you're a Palpatine. And Spectre has, I love you. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, no, this isn't working. Oh, Sorry, yeah. And, Blof- and Blofeld's yeah. my brother. Blofeld. <laughs> and, yeah, and Blofeld. Yeah. Spectrum has two. Yeah. That's how that's how much that movie goes off the rails. So but that, that's the thing with Madeline Swan is that but she's I but she's a fabulous actress. The scenes where she's just on her own. Oh, the, she's great. Scene, she's great. She's fabulous. Here's the thing mm-hmm. for me. The I mean, there's also the huge age difference, which is like, you know, you think we'd move past at least. And like the film plays fun with with the Paloma Ald- and Ana de Armas character too, right? When she's like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, like, I can't tell that was like one of the funniest moments for, uh, for me in the movie. I, I got such a huge kick out of that. Um, I think they they make the chemistry work and much like her character is paying for the sins of her father, this film has to pay for the, for the sins, sins of, Spectre. of Spectre a little bit. But <laughs> I'm glad bit, that yeah. they did just because for me, there's so many franchises now where it's like, well, the fans didn't like this. So we're just going to pretend it doesn't exist. We're going to erase that, you know, even the movies I like, you know, like Halloween 2018, I think it's a really great Halloween movie and a really great like horror movie in general. But it also does the, well, those movies you didn't like, those don't, those don't matter or yeah. every fucking Mitchell. X-Men movie does this where it's like, ah, oh, the, <laughs> the other X-Men, ones you didn't. The new matter. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Don't, 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 even, don't even try to get into the horror slasher genre history. But like here, I'm glad that they actually followed through on it. It's like, this is the story we, we were telling, flaws and all. This is what we're sticking to. And to me, that shows commitment. That shows storytelling. That's real storytelling. That's not just franchise bullshit. Yeah. And so I yeah, got a lot takes, of respect for that. Yeah, you know? I think also it takes a lot of courage to go against the uh, the fan and the fan <laughs> certain loud voices of the fandom and not. I wouldn't say don't cater to them, but don't like cha- stick to your guns, especially because I, I would definitely... we've seen so many we've seen so many movies just change yeah. uh, at the tip of the hat just just to appease some angry fan on Twitter. Or, I would like, agree Reddit. with you if. Eon had a five movie plan. They did not. No, yes, right. yes. That, no, I agree, that, but I'm saying that's that one they of the didn't... problems that they did is they, this is what, how they box themselves in a corner in this movie. Is that how they, they were writing as they went along and started retconning? Right. Um, and so you're, the, this movie does have to clean up quite a bit of, of Spectre's mess. Yeah, yeah. And that's why there was a lot of trepidation on Bond fans' part. It's like, wait a minute, you're doubling down on this? Mm hmm. Um, so it was really kind of nerve wracking um, that, okay, so we're bringing, so we're just going to bring back Christoph Waltz and just Blofeld and we're going to bring back all of these and we're going to bring back Madeline Swan. 
okay, hopefully you can flush her out. Like that was my hope is that they could flush her out. I think they did. Mm-hmm. I really like, like for instance, in Norway where she really can handle herself and this idea of her as a mother and as a killer. Um, it was really, I really enjoyed that. Like she just, the guy comes up on their motorbike and then just boom, without hesitation, just point blank takes him out when he has the drop on bond. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that, really that stuff was really, imp- I mean, also like mothers in film. Like if the, if you're a mother in a film, you often just get cast as the mother and that's all, that's all you do, mm-hmm. you know? And here it's just like, no, she, she's many things. People are many things. Women can be many things. Anyone can be many things. It's it's just good writing. It's just good understanding of like human character. Yeah, ju- um, there's definitely three dimensional sure. characters throughout the whole movie, except let's let's talk about the villain. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Except Lucifer Satan, who is it it's Lucifer Satan. That's his name. <laughs> and you know what? Yes, that's perfect. For a Bond villain, that's Why not? perfect. Yeah, that is. I wish I came up with that name. That is so <laughs> awesome. And he's got this really brutalist layer with like lots of. It looks like a fucking Denis Villeneuve movie in his layer with like mm-hmm. the LED tungsten lights and the acid coming up and stuff. And it's just I fucking loved it. He's a little hollow. You know, it's really funny. There's a lot of, you know, there was a lot of shit in the press at the very beginning of uh, when they cast him that, you know, he made it very intentional that he didn't want to be some Middle Eastern villain or some generic villain. And then he gives us a generic Eastern European accent for the whole movie. Yeah. Like, well, remember, there was so much being said about I don't want to be a Middle Eastern or I don't want to be like the nationality can be identified. But then we go and do that with the Russian scientists, because, of course, it's the Russians or going to be the chemical yeah. weapon specialists. Pe- pe- people like, don't mind on. that. <laughs> come on. Yeah, but- well, I was going to say, remember, um, the original villain was supposed to be the sniper dude from Wonder Woman. I forgot that actor's name, but that guy was in the... Was in, in the, the Danny Rennie, Boyle version. Danny Boyle, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was supposed really? to be a Russian guy, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's great. Um, That's mm-hmm. kind of a bummer. I really like that act. Ewan Bremner, right? That's his name? Um, I believe so. If you're, okay, yeah, if you're he, he's a really good actor. He sa- save him for another Bond movie villain. He's yeah. he never the really Amazon. got his due. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Danny Boyle version Amazon was supposed Bond. to be like in the snow a lot more and whatnot. Like they were building like a missile silo and some uh, like a, a missile silo set in Canada and whatnot. So there was like to 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 double for Siberia. There's a whole other movie that like I'm sure will be you know years from now we'll be reading about the you know the unused John Hodge script. Mm-hmm. Um, but out there in the internet somewhere, probably but let, like but that. The thing, that I, the thing that I don't get is I don't know the motivation of why we're murdering millions of people through this Heracles, the, this nanobots, which is the same <laughs> plot device that's in the video game, everything or nothing, by the way. <laughs> um, it's a great game with Willem Dafoe. And but the thing that the, the thing that I get, like Cuba, for instance, again, the I get the whole sci-fi, you know, the, the weapon is programmed to the DNA of the target. And then they establish that it's all because it's DNA based. It's also connected to your family, which is where they were showing the, the scenes from the funeral when they're having that MI6 briefing scene and the family members who kissed 
the Spectre agents who died also died. Okay, I get that plot device. The thing that I, I don't understand is if you killed Spectre, isn't your plan already done? Didn't you get mm-hmm. your revenge? It feels like, again, like w- when I mentioned earlier, it feels like there's more missing where he's trying to clean up the problems he sees in the world through like institutions or people. Mm-hmm. And they cut out the essential parts to correlate him as like a parallel to Bond's journey mm-hmm. over the course of the Craig's run, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's so odd because Gene and I were talking about this before the show too, because like the Craig run of Bond for a for a big studio blockbuster seems pretty critical of government institutions. So they've mm-hmm. not held back on like the CIA are the bad guys in Quantum of Solace. Yeah, mm-hmm. like they work with the terrorists and like right. the people who want to control the world's water supply, which is why that movie is awesome because Bond kills all of them and then leaves <laughs> a man out in the middle of the desert to die and leaves him a can of oil to drink. That movie fucking shreds. I'm sorry. But anyways, the point being, they've not shied away from criticism and how these institutions can so often work with with villainous organizations or themselves be villainous organizations out of their own hubris. Yeah. Hubris, profit, power. And then here it's like, they also veer into that territory with M, which I was like, Oh, this is so fascinating. Bond's going to have to go up against the very things that made him who he is. And he's going to have to destroy the things that, that created bond, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then it- they, they kind of veer away from that. And I'm fine. I'm fine with the way that worked out, but then it leaves this gap between the villain and their plan and they're like literally they're they're amazing so so i've seen this twice so far and so i was really trying to see if i could figure out what the hell the plan was about murdering all these people because you needed just a line of like valdo when they're in the in the lab saying like hey we're doing x y and z to kill this many people in order to make the world a better place like all you needed was a line saying like this is who we're attacking because then you could have naturally gone well well if they do because i thought they have a list of targets but then Mm -hmm. that exponentially grows out because it's dna based so it's not only them it's their entire families yeah um that would get wiped out the thing that i'm finding a little bit more the the thing that i looked at is when they're in q's house they pull out the, the hard drive that has the missing the information of from Valdo's hard drive that they were able to recover. So Q has like eight, 90% of the hard drive and there's 10% missing, right? And so he goes ahead and looks and, oh, this is the missing data. And they open it up and it's all this list of Spectre agents. But then there's like, oh, there's hidden files. And it's like thousands of names. They never tell you who those names are. Is it government agents? Is it officials? Is it um, bureaucrats? There's it a throw- there's a throwaway like, line when he when they're when Q and and James Bond, I mean uh, when M and James Bond are talking on the bridge, where it's like, so what do they would they do with it? Well, you know, world domination, the same old thing. But they never actually establish like who the hell decide who are these names and mm-hmm. why are and why is he doing it? Yeah, the motivation of your villain, basically. Yeah, they, they get so close too because it's like. No, Madeline needs to stay with me on my private island. It's like, oh, okay. So he's going to like try to build a new world order or something. Is that what he's doing? And then the movie ends. And I'm like, is that what he was doing? Yeah. He has this obsession with, he has an obsession with Madeline, but they don't explain like outside of saving her. Like, why does he want to like keep Madeline and Matid at his lair 
No, see, I for I the can, purpose of what? Just to, I can just understand to mess with that. It's how it correlates to this big villain plan that just like it's literally just that one piece. You need just that one scene that can bring it all together. Because you know he he mentions like he saving a life is great because then you have power over it. You it's yours. You own, you own it. You know. And so he has this idea of like projecting power and ownership over everything. But it's it's not like put together. It just needs that one moment, that one scene. It's got to be on a cutting room floor somewhere or something. Somewhere it's like, out there. It's so close. It is so close to bringing it all together. And it it just doesn't, which is like, I know we're harping on that a lot right now, but I but think it's, it's the because motivation like the of the rest of it so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, because yeah, I get the motivation. Pretty necessary. Yeah. I get the Cuban motivation. It's almost like, and then he even like, Bond like critiques him and goes like you're not even giving anybody a chance like he's like why are you doing this like you everything was taken from you why are you taking everybody else why are you taking a chance from everyone else like he's even critiquing him on it but the thing is like I'm not understanding and there's a cop like it gets really kind of dodgy in that last act because when Matid is introduced um, James Bond's daughter uh, uh, Madeline goes oh she's not yours and so it's a funny line. Like there's a laugh in the audience both times that I saw it. But the thing is like, he, in, like two scenes later, Safin's like, oh, you're going to watch how you're going to die in front of your own daughter. And I'm like, that should be more of a reveal than if that's the case. It's like, and he just kind mm-hmm. of accepts it as that's what's going on. I'm like, there's no like recognition. And then we just go through the rest of the movie as, okay, that's my daughter. Because uh, uh, Lashana Lynch's 007 comes up and goes, this is Madeline and this is Matide, they're my and you see him mouth family mm-hmm. and like kind of like perplexed and puzzled and in the, and they walk away but it's just like wh- why isn't the, why aren't those reveals given more, like this movie's three hours, more like why isn't weight. they given like more weight, more yeah. recognition um, I don't understand why Safin like, takes Matide and then walks downstairs. Matide bites his hand and then goes, if you don't want my protection, just leave. And then she just fucks off. <laughs> I, you know what? I agree with the criticisms except for the Safin stuff. And I, I'm going to bat for this villain that is not a complete character because like we've discussed and mm-hmm. we'll continue discussing. But Missing if- a lot of stuff there. If yeah, <laughs> honestly, just the one thing I Want think he's just missing the one thing on it. Like honest to God, but um, I, he wants control over the lives he saved and Matilde. And when she like literally bites the hand that's gonna feed her, then he's like, fine, I don't care, I don't want you anymore. Then like he wants what this like the what it makes him look like. It makes him look like a good guy when he's saving people or protecting people. Mm-hmm. And it's there's something there to that. But because of that one missing component, it all just like you, you pull that one string and the sweater's starting to come undone, you know? So you're not wrong right. in your criticisms. I want to reiterate that. I just think if you had that one bit, it would have brought it all together so and much think, more. Yeah, we wouldn't have the conversations. And, you know, the plot device of, you know, having to hold the doors open, um, I'm okay. I, I I get emotional every time I see the you know Bond dying. Like yeah. I've cried both times that we get to the. So I guess we could go into that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. we're already kind of here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the you know smashing the face with the Heracles, 
um, that's programmed for Madeline and Mateed. Um, uh, there's a, I don't, I don't get the ticking clock aspect of this. Like, the, I think that's the other problem that I needed is, like, there's boats there, yes, that are going to take Heracles and take the weapon out. But like, I think I, if I heard it the second time when he goes, we have our first. I thought he said our first buyers coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like when he's walking away, like the Matid runs away and he goes, Never mind, we need to pack the shipments. We have our first, I don't know if he said boats or buyers coming. Mm. Um, I have to rewatch that. Uh, well, well, we'll figure it out tonight, Gene, because we're gonna watch it again. <laughs> um, and the, the thing that, but the thing that I'm not quite sure about is like, so what are we what's the plan with this because i didn't get the ticking it's really funny because specter has two ticking clocks Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but i don't understand the urgency of having a missile strike right now like that we couldn't just attack though he has to hold the door open i don't mind that bond dies and i and it just the the scene itself it gets me emotional and i was all teary-eyed but then when i come back to think about it it's i'm just trying to see like the setup for it is what bothers me it's like mm-hmm. okay so we smash the controls then like is one of the things it's like you are you open the door smash the controls mm-hmm. um or why are you just running through the garden unabated unarmed and have Safin shoot you like that seemed kind of like a like this is the guy that's gonna kill james bond kind of right and this is Uh, where those like the the threads kind of pull because if like if silva killed him like if a silva caliber uh level villain had killed him i'd be like oh yeah it felt would feel earned that's what it is it doesn't feel earned that's the thing that i'm having a problem with is that as i as i'm taking the excitement out of actually watching the film and i'm pulling back for a second it's did the film deserve the the payoff that it gets at the end and that's the part that i don't really have an answer to yet i'm having trouble with it so what do you boys think i think i think a lot of franchises to to have their end i think they think they need to kill off their main characters. I don't know if that's always the case with Logan because it's like it is going for that old school western. He's an animal. This is like this is all he was made to do, and he does it for finally a good reason for something more than himself. That's why Logan works for me. I don't know if Bond needed to die. I see why they did it, and I admire that they were they committed to it. I don't know if that's the best way to go about ending this story. I think Even there's really the story powerful benefits. storytelling in, in being able to show that your hero has succeeded at, at what they were trying to do, and they can go live life outside of the parameters that you've seen them in. One of the big problems Gene and I have in Endgame, Avengers Endgame, is that Tony Stark dies to save the universe, but it's like, his that character's whole goal was to try to constantly fix everything fix everything fix everything and so naturally that's the thing that kills him but it's played like triumphantly instead of a tragedy Mm -hmm. and like to me the ending of tony stark is he puts up he gives up the suit forever and he goes live his life as a family man 
I think it would have been bolder if Bond had lived. I don't know if that was the better decision. I think bolder, yes, but like I don't know if it was better. I think this goes back to the Safin problem, Lucifer, Satan, our boy. Um, <laughs> where I think his problems become the finale's problem because he is the guy that takes out James Bond essentially, right? Because he is the guy that we end the Bond saga with a moderately solid villain with some fun flourishes has to be the linchpin to take out James Bond. That's a lot of pressure and the linchpin can't really sustain it, unfortunately. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's a good ending. I don't know if it's the best one they could have had. I like the aspect of um, just Bond being cursed to not see his family. would have to live out his days just being stuck in this, uh, spy um, yeah i spy I, I, network I think that he's out of ultimate social distancing yeah yeah see that's probably why they wanted to cut around this too they're like we did this before covid and now look at us <laughs> well no well the thing is is that pencils were down in february yeah. like fukunaga has oh i mean if you take fukunaga his word he hasn't messed with this movie since march i believe that of 2020 um and and some of us kind of wish he did. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, all the time in the world. It, it, that is the, the, and you know what? That is so emblematic of Craig's movies is that the third act is always where, is always where it ends up being yeah. problems. The, the, you know, some people critique the, the sinking house in Venice in. Uh, They're out of their the goddamn world. minds. I want to go on record. They're out of their crazy goddamn. talk. Some people complain about the crazy. Sinking House in Venice that it's totally Lies. that it's totally not congruent with the rest of the movie. That's the argument there. Um, uh, Quantum of Solace is just a mess by the end of the movie um, uh, because there's so many characters and not enough exposition. Like that movie for of all the movies, it needs to be longer. Is that one? um skyfall some people critique the home alone thing i actually kind of like that i love it um that was great for what that movie is going for that's exactly what it needed to be but sorry continue. Uh, specter is brofeld and yes. uh yeah <laughs> just uh, yes yeah <laughs> and and that convoluted mi walking through mi6 with you know like xerox pictures of other people um and then on this one is like the you know, is the ticking clock and having Bond have to die and then have this plot device with this weapon that it it, it feels a little half-baked. And so the, like the, there is a critique of the endings of Craig movies um, that I do have to think. And the thing that bothers me is that he has suffered so much. Like he almost, I thought Craig might've earned a happy ending because all of his movies are about pain and loss and suffering and death and regret like you would think that there would be some quantum of solace <laughs> by the end of his tenure but yeah. it's, it, it the the payoff is that that you, the families are a liability and that being in a part of and being in this profession means that you are full of pain sorrow regret and anguish i would i would actually agree with the that last part because I, you know, he is a state sanctioned killing machine. And I think the Craig films have wisely been introspective about that. Um, I do also agree that, you know, maybe the family aspect could have led to like a happy ending had he truly left this life behind. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I, I think again, see that, that goes back to my thing that like I don't I don't know if if this was the the best ending. I, I think it could have been a better one, and I don't know if it was any of the ones we discussed. Even you know, probably smarter people than us could have been like, actually, this should have happened. I'd be like, no shit, why didn't we see any of that? But well, um, now that it has happened, mm-hmm. what do you think? I have my own thoughts on what we what should happen from now uh, yes. because people may miss this in the movie theater. If you stay to the end credits, yes, James Bond will. Ask James Bond will return is in the end credits. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, let's also use this opportunity to start wrapping up our thoughts, so we're not here for five hours. Yeah, and so that and that's the thing that I, I was wondering is the the one concern that I have about this movie is I heard people walking out of the movie theater going, so I guess they're not making anymore. <laughs> so they're, I, they're going to so, continue. Um, well, that's a problem though. Does the general public know that? And so the one of the things that I'm kind of concerned about or thinking about as we go forward is I think this, I really enjoy this movie. This movie has a lot of stuff that is my favorite of the, of the Craig tenure. And then there's some stuff where I'm like, I'm a little bit reluctant about mm-hmm. um, the thing that I'm more interested in now is like, all right, so they committed to the bit. And so, and that I do respect that because that's, eon's cash cow this is all that eon productions is known for and you're gonna kill your main character in your lead franchise with arguably the most popular actor you've ever had in the role um so that took a lot of guts and so i got i'll give him credit for 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 swinging for the fences now business daddy is going to be coming in with jeff bezos when this mgm deal closes with amazon And they're not going to want to wait six years for a Bond movie to come out or four years for a Bond movie to come out. And so the next question would be, and and the thing that I'm wondering about is where do you go from here now that we've done the kind of character study Bond and we're kind of the Bond 3.0. And I do think that we have kind of an amalgamation of the two where we have these standalone adventures that are a little bit more fun, that are more triumphant that aren't flippant in its misogyny. I think that, you know, there's a lot of things that we can learn from the Craig era in terms of um, how you write women, how you write minorities in the, in the mm-hmm. movies that I think obviously showed in no time to die to its benefit. Um, people love the movie. Uh, when, especially when it comes to female characters, everybody universally will say the female characters are fantastic. in this movie. Just the supporting characters mm-hmm. in general are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so learning the lessons of Craig, and importing them into a classic formula that is episodic rather than serialized, I think would be the best bet forward. Because I'll tell you, as a Bond fan, I've just wanted him to fucking go into M's office, get a mission, go out and do it and save the world. End of story. And we haven't seen that in the Craig tenure. It's always going rogue and it's a personal story. The fact that going rogue now is the formula <laughs> we need to and 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 everything is personal we need to go back a little bit and i'm looking forward to seeing what amazon uh uh, eon has creative control but amazon's going to be like here's as much money as you want go make them so i'm going to be interested to see where we go from there but i don't know what do you guys think about the movie and then where do we go from here with bond or where should yeah it's yeah well hopefully not something uh spinoff on random villains things like that but um i mean if you look at their jack ryan which has kind of been critiqued for being propagandish um you know i hope it's 
I hope it's more, I hope it sticks to the movies. I hope it's not um, episodic in the sense that it's like a TV show like Jack Ryan. I think that these movies have more prestige being in, not to say uh, television isn't, but uh, their format is movies. Um, the only D- James Bond TV show I could think of is uh, that cartoon James Bond <laughs> James Bond Junior. If you remember, <laughs> Scott, that's a, that's a terrible cartoon. But yeah, I, I don't I, I don't think it lends itself to TV as much as the as it is as it is a film. So I hope that Amazon focuses um, more on quality in, instead of quantity. Yeah, I, I hope I hope something similar. Honestly, I don't see Bond spinning off uh side characters although if you had any excuse to do it you, you do it with the characters from no time to die because holy fuck they're mm-hmm. great but yeah. you know that's not what i want i don't want that and i think it was the broccolis that said like we're no in the spin-off. business of making movies we're gonna make movies and it's like i have mixed feelings about one group of people controlling a property for so long but that's the exact right fucking answer right there yeah. You, you're you're in the business of making movies. You make a fucking movie. You don't make an assembly line production. You got enough of that going on. I think the broccoli family. The one thing about it is, is that because they own the the they own creative control of the character. Um, the one thing that is nice about it is they, for better or for worse, they don't see it as ownership. They see it as stewardship of the franchise. Yeah. Right. Um, there's rev, there's reverential family because it's a family business. This is not a big studio. It's just, it's a small studio that has $1 billion franchise. Um, It's not diversified. All they do is bond. Um, And then like some small indie stuff um, here and there. So they're, Amazon knows what they're buying. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're, it's just a matter of the only, the biggest problem with the, with MGM around their neck was the money. Mm-hmm. Was MGM being in and out of bankruptcy, which is caused which yeah. is what caused a lot of the delays. Delicious. So I think Amazon fixes the problem of the money part, mm-hmm. and now we can allow the broccolis to uh, elicit a little bit more creativity and not have to have a not have the money problem be yeah. coming down their throat. The liquidity of uh, MGM really hurt. So the films. Imagine if you had more than five films, Craig. That would have been uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I think we could have gotten a solid seven had money problems not been a thing, but uh, I'm glad we got five. And yeah. I guess we'll, we'll, we'll start wrapping up then. Um, yeah. Mostly a, a, gr- a great theater experience, if not a fully great all the way film, you know, it's, it's a great, it's a great ride. It, it really is. And I'm, I'm glad that they finally got to do like a bond movie farewell. Yeah, because I forget if we brought it up at the beginning of the episode. We've definitely been talking about it. That every other Bond has just kind of been like, you know, shoved out the door. Like, okay, you're done now. You're too fucking old. No one yeah, liked or- your movies at the time. Uh, Timothy Dalton, Innocent, and George Lazenby, by the way. Um, yeah, but you know they've kind of just shuffled off their Bond mortal coil, and I now you finally anything- get like, you know. So long, Daniel Craig. Thanks for the ride. Uh, this this <laughs> movie is one big redemption arc for George Lazenby. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. like the the amount of of reference to on Her Majesty's Secret Service. He even posted on mm. Twitter. I'm like, hmm, the music's really familiar. <laughs> <laughs> this never happened to the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it was, well, um, you know, th- thumbs up across the board. Yeah, 
uh if, if you're a bond fan of course go check it out if you're if you yes. did listen to this without seeing the movie uh thanks for sticking around sorry we <laughs> talked about every we didn't talk about like everything because there's so yeah. much movie uh i was happy to see jeffrey right back as felix lighter oh, do a whole yeah. thing on the that we're, we gotta we gotta wrap up um yeah, yeah. goat r.i.p to the goat <laughs> felix yeah. lighter uh if anything it shows that just now anything goes that's the one thing that this movie does now for the franchise anything goes a- exactly anything goes and I don't want to fan cast the next James Bond. I want to be mm-hmm. just as surprised as when Daniel Craig was announced. That, yeah. that actor is out there somewhere. Best of luck to them. Uh, thanks, Daniel Craig. Justin Valero, thank you so much for joining us. Where can the people find you online? Uh, so they can find me on Twitter, uh, waxing poetically about Bond all day, every day. At um, My Twitter handle is at it's Justin Valero. Um, and all things Bond related are usually there. So you can find me on Twitter. All right. Thank you so much again. And Gene, where can the people find you? Find me on Twitter and Instagram, Gene9892. I'm uh, always posting. Yeah. And you can find me at the Diego Crespo on Twitter. Check out the Waffle Press on also Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where we're posting some some more stuff. I, I got some more writing coming out. Ted Lasso season two just wrapped up. And I have thoughts about that really great second season, except for when it wasn't much like no time to die, <laughs> which yeah. In- interesting stuff well, going on we, there. At least we have Ted. Ted Lasso. Ted. Yeah. I would say Bless his heart. it's about as good. If you compared no time to die and Ted Lasso season two, they have equal peaks and equal valleys of <laughs> uh, no spoilers for my thoughts on that um yeah course. thanks again everyone for joining us justin thank you again we're gonna have you on some time and just grab a drink because i haven't seen you in person since before the pandemic so oh, let's, we'll have let's a martini shaking upstairs <laughs> yes let's fucking do it yeah man. uh everyone else thanks for listening thanks for watching don't forget to click that bell because youtube f's us in the b uh but we've been professionally unprofessional 